this week on Real Men Talk, fear, anxiety, depression, suicide, COVID-19, all real reasons why spiritual warfare is so important today. Let's talk about it on Real Men Talk. You're listening to the Real Men Talk podcast, brought to you by the Palace of Praise Church in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. Now here are your hosts, Anthony Crenat and Craig Reynolds. What's up, guys? Welcome to this week's episode of Real Men Talk. I'm here with Craig Reynolds. Hey, good afternoon, good evening. How are you? All right, guys. So we're today we're going to talk about spiritual warfare and prayer. Um, with with all the things that are going on in the world, it, with fear and the anxiety and and all all the things that are attacking men and families, constantly being bombarded, deconstructionism and and, and all these things. We want to talk about the importance of prayer and spiritual warfare in today's time. Yeah. You know, we're living in a, in a time where, you know, fear, anxiety, depression, um, it's going rampant and, um, and and the suicide rate and, and the church isn't excluded from this. Uh, this has affected the church, uh, all the way from pastors, all to praise and worship leaders, all the way down to, just regular attenders. Uh, And this is something that we really need to address. And, and what are the tools? What are the weapons of our warfare that we can gear up for in this day and time? Absolutely. I I was reading an article today that um, more pedestrians are being hit by cars than ever before. And the, this article goes on to read and, and they, they equated it to the amount of anxiety and fear that are in people's lives. They're, they're a lot more distracted when they're driving and different things like that. They, these are real issues, whether men really want to accept it or not. They're real issues that, that we go through, that we have, we have to deal with um, in our families, in our workplaces, um, in, in our children, you know, what they're, what they're seeing and being taught at school. Um, as a matter of fact, just, just yesterday, day before yesterday, my daughter comes home and she was talking about how um, in her history class, they were talking about um, an incident that had happened several years ago where some men were, were wrongly judged and they got out of prison. You know, I, I think they got out like eight years ago, something like that. Um, and I was like, okay. I said, so what? what is your teacher saying about that? She's like, well, you know, she really emphasized that, you you know, you really, you don't, don't let the cops in and don't, you, you know, don't, they're not allowed to be in there without a warrant and all that stuff. And I was like, okay, look, yes, but you have to understand that the police are the last line of defense against anarchy. You know, not yes. all cops are bad. Yes. There are, there are a lot more really good cops out there than there are bad cops, you know? Absolutely. And so, and I say this because these are the things that our children are being taught in their schools. And, and so they're pumping fear. You know, what is, yes. what, what was my daughter thinking about police officers prior to me having this discussion with her? Her uncle was a police officer. She knows a lot of, a lot of police officers and, and all this stuff. But, but what about the people who don't? Right. What about the, you know, what about the, you know, and so this, our schools are pumping fear and anxiety and, and, and all this stuff. And so us as fathers, as, as men, we, we have to deal with that too. We have to uh, make sure that our children are safe. We have to make sure that they understand truth. Um, and we, we wear a large burden 
because of that, you know, on top of that, you got you got the the government overreaching. You know, they're using these this COVID nineteen mandates and and all these things to take away liberties and all this stuff. So constantly, every day, every moment of every day, we are being bombarded by just junk, just constant junk, just being thrown in our faces constantly. Yeah. Well, in uh, you know, when you were talking about those like, statistics of the uh, pedestrians being hit more than ever by drivers because of anxiety, uh, the incident with your daughter, that points out, a, a, illustrates the perfect picture of how the enemy uses even the most simple and day-to-day task to even invade. You know, yes. you, you drive everyone, I mean, just about everyone that is able to have a driver's license that works a job that goes here and there. They have to drive for transportation. And, you know, he's even attacking them in that, that daily task, uh, you know, trying to hinder them from, from doing that. Um, you know, the, what the teacher said to your daughter, you know, she twisted it just enough to put enough fear into your daughter. And, and that is the indoctrination that's going on uh, across the nation. Right. You know, us being here in Southeast Missouri, we thought we would probably never hear that kind of thing uh, coming into our schools uh, into our, you know, our children, but here we are, this is where we're facing. So, right. Uh, you know, and the thing is, is that teacher may be completely innocent in what she was trying to do, Yeah, you know, and, and I'm not, I'm not trying to bad mouth teachers or anything like that, but the, the simple fact is, is that there's an agenda being pushed yeah. constantly. And that is fear. Yeah. That is fear, especially in COVID-19. I mean, good grief. You know, here we are, we're what, two years into this, this pandemic. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you're, when you're watching stuff like CNN and NBC and, and all that stuff, and they've got a death counter. Yeah. We're, we're not talking about anything but, but an agenda to push fear. Yes. You know, and, and all these different things. And don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to downplay COVID. I'm not trying to downplay anybody who has lost their life against COVID and stuff like that. But people should not have to live in fear. You know, you've seen people run around in masks. I still see, see kids today. In masks. Uh, in masks. Yes. Yeah. You know, why? Yeah. It's not healthy for them. No. You know, the science behind it says it's not healthy for them because they're scared. They're scared of getting COVID, you know, and, and it's it's absolutely insane that, that they should be, that they should have to live in that kind of fear. Yeah. Well, you, you know, you talked about uh, the, the death count, the death tallies that they're keeping, you know, that shows you that's a, it's a sign of warfare because it's only in war when you keep death tallies. Right. So, so you know, point. keeping body counts. So that just, that's an indicator, but you know, us as men, you know, how is, de- you know, depression and everything? Cause I feel like there's a, a stigma when it comes to fear, anxiety and depression for men. It's like, well, we gotta, we gotta bottle this up. We can't, right. we're we, not allowed to talk we can't about let this. that go. I, I looked up some, you know, some statistics and preparing for the podcast. And it said that 9% of men in the United States have daily, daily feelings of depression or anxiety, according to the data from the national health interview survey, from 2010 to 2013, it said one in three men took medication because of those feelings, according to the survey. One in four men spoke to a mental health professional, according to the survey. 30.6% is the percentage of men who have suffered from a period of depression in their lifetime. The suicide rate among American men is about four times higher than Amer- among women, according to the data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Women are more likely to attempt suicide, but men are more likely to succeed in committing suicide. 
white men age 85 and older have the highest suicide rate of any demographic group in the United States, four times larger than the population as a whole. Wow. 51 out of every 100,000 white males older than 85 commit suicide each year, more than any other group by age, sex, and race, according to the 2012 statistics from the Centers of Disease and Control and Prevention. And that's, that's, that's in the society as a whole. In the church, it says that 7 million Christians in the U.S. experience major depression each year. It is estimated that 106.8 million Christians attend church at least once or twice a month. The National Institute of Mental Health lists the, pre- the prevalence of having a major depressive episode in 2017 at 7.1%, applying the, 17, the 7.1% uh, rate to 106.8 million Christians allows us to arrive at the number of 7.6 million people. And, uh, and then it goes on to, you know, to talk about different things. And this is affecting in and out of the church. Uh, I came across a story of a, of a pastor named Jared Wilson. He was a pastor of a mega church in, uh, California, um, congregation of about 15,000 people, you know, on a regular Sunday. Um, he was a big advocate for mental health. Uh, him and his wife founded a program that helped people with, you know, helps people with depression, had a wife, two kids. And, uh, on September 9th, 2019, he took his own life to suicide. You know, and this, this is, uh, this is past a pastor. And right. unfortunately, you know, it, it's unfortunate for anyone to take their own life, but the amount of pastors that are the right. pressure and the warfare that's going on, it, it's spiritual warfare, the days that we yeah, live. Absolutely. And, um, and you know that's that's the that's the unfortunate thing of it. You know that even even these rock solid people that you know uh, they pour out and pour out and pour out, but have nothing else coming in, so they feel right. And uh, I seen I heard a testimony one time uh, of Louis Giglio. He's a, he's a very prominent pastor and yeah. stuff. And and this has been a few years ago now. And and he was talking about how he had experienced a series of depression. Yeah. Um, and a spiritual depression and he, um, like to the point where he couldn't get out of bed and he said it went on for months, months before he was, uh, he was delivered from it. You, you know, the, and, and again, it goes back to spiritual warfare. I mean, that, that is exactly w- what it is. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are, there are cases of clinical depression. You yeah. know, I, I, I do believe that there are cases of, you know, where people have actual imbalances and, and stuff like that. And if they need medicine, then then they need to go get medicated. If they need to talk to somebody, they need to go talk to somebody. Yes. You, you know, but the vast majority of what we're seeing, especially inside the church, I believe is spiritual warfare. Absolutely. It is, it is Satan keeping a thumb over the top of people. If he can keep them depressed and oppressed, then, then they can't be effective for the kingdom of God. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing is, is, you know, these pastors and these Christians that are suffering from things, you know, I'd like to look at their life and see the impact they were having for the kingdom right. because in studying and looking, you know, researching stuff, uh, the story came to mind of the prophet Elijah when, you know, he, he went against, you know, the, uh, prophets of Baal, right. You know, called fire down from heaven, 450 prophets of Baal and first Kings chapter 19, it says that Elijah wanted to die. He hit on a rock and asked God to take his life, take his life, you know, depression sunk in because Jezebel had put a, a bounty on him. Right. And, uh, and so he felt like that was it. Yep. And, uh, but you know, what did God do? You know, God, man loved him you know his 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 plan for elijah's life wasn't over yet 
Right. And Elijah's life didn't end like that. Elijah's life ended up taking in a fiery chariot in heaven. Never, right. never saw death. That's right. You know, and, and the truth is, and we don't like to admit this, men, you, you know, and, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that, that we have a lot of weight on our shoulders. But a lot of times men are a lot more emotional than women are. Oh, yeah. And we're a lot more susceptible to stuff like that. And of course, you know, we don't we don't talk about those types of things because we're men. You know, we're not allowed to talk about those types of things, but it's truth. And we bottle all this stuff up and, and all these different things and and we become terrified. Look at the life of David. Look at the roller coaster David was on. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. You that know, I mean, a, just up and down. Up and read the book of Psalms. Oh yeah. It, you know, I mean the guy, you know, one time he was asking God to to destroy him, the next time he was asking God to to save him, the next time he was praising God. And I mean, you never know know yeah. what from chapter to chapter what he's gonna what he's gonna be saying. And um you know, all of us, whether we like we want to admit or not, we're all like that. Yeah. We're all like that. We we hide it, you know, because it's not it's not popular. That's not worse, but we're supposed to be men. We're supposed to be tough. We don't show emotion. We don't we don't show fear. We don't show um, uh, you know any kind of of weakness. Yeah. You know, it is it, you know it's girly. You know, yes. what are you a pansy? You you know and stuff like that. But that's not that's not the way God made us. God made us emotional. God is an emotional God. Yeah. You, you know, you talk, you look through, you know, right now we're going through um, Exodus and Numbers, Leviticus and Numbers, and um, you look at how angry God got at the Israelites. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, he was ready to destroy them. You know, I, he's, I'm, he's it, a jealous God. Yeah. And, um, and so if God is emotional, and he is, and, and I'm not talking about unjustly, he is, he is emotional. Why is it unfit for us to be emotional also when we were made in the image of God? Yeah, well, you go to, uh, you know, you look at the life of Christ, you know, while he was here on earth. And, and I mean, he, he showed all emotions. Uh, you know, yes, he was calm. He was, he was compassionate. He was those, he was that. He also got angry. He cried. He, he Yeah, Jesus wept. You know, on more than one occasion, right. just just so you know, a lot of people try to make a joke, especially men. I've heard make the joke, yeah, that's the that's the shortest verse in the Bible. Okay, tomb of Lazarus. He again over the city of Jerusalem. He sat on the hillside. He wept over the city. Right. It, it, he had emotions. Yes. And uh, and you know, it, it's okay to have those. You know. Yes, it uh, is. You know, that's it's normal. They were given to us for a reason, and uh, and you know, instead of running from them, embrace it. Right. I mean, really, truthfully, uh, you know, that's one thing because, you know, I have a dad, you know, growing up, my dad growing up, he, I've never seen my dad cry. You know, he just wasn't a right. crier. Good man, just not a crier. Uh, you know, and that's been something for me. I've, I've been praying about like, okay, give me, make me a little bit more tender hearted in that area, you know, cause I don't want my kids to think I'm this, you know, just staunch. I don't know if that's the word, but just, you know, right. man, you know, dad's hardcore. Well, you can be you can be tough without you know having to hold everything in. Right? Yeah. Well, know? yeah. I mean, again, you look at the life of David. I mean, David was a yeah. bad man. I wouldn't mess it, with him. No. I mean, well, the reason why he couldn't build the temples because his hands were bloody. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people, a lot of people want to talk about you know like um, him putting um, that guy on the front lines. I, I, Uriah. It, yes, uh, on on the front lines. But no, I, he was he was a warrior. Yeah. He. Battled. He, he was he was strong, but at the same time, he was so emotional. Yeah. yeah, you know, he wasn't. He also wasn't afraid to to dance and make a fool of himself. You know, when he was bringing the Ark of the Covenant in, you know, it says that he he danced out of out of his royal clothes. Yeah, 
you know, and his wife was mad at him because he made a fool of himself. But he they, that was he wasn't afraid to worship at the same time. Yeah, and he was a man who, you know, you talk about spiritual warfare, uh, fear, anxiety, depression. He dealt with it, right? Uh, uh, more than one occasion. Yes, you know, and uh, and you could tell in scripture that he he kind of spiraled, but you know his his story his the kingdom of david it represents grace you know right and it is so evident in his in his uh life the story of his life that no matter how far you've ran no matter what you faced uh no matter what trial you're going through that we serve a faithful god that's right and david was still calling man after god's own heart yeah and all his mess all his mistakes you know god still had a plan and uh and you know it, not only through that through David's life was, you know, grace uh, shown evident, but, you know, Jesus came from the bloodline of David. That's right. And, you know, I mean, a man after God's own heart, man of many mistakes, many failures. Right. That we can all relate to. But, you know, look at what what came from him. Right. I mean, that's absolutely powerful. You know, and and you were talking about the, you you know, embracing those things. We, We all experience depression, anxiety, and fear. We live in a time where all this stuff is very prevalent. You know, it's not a bad thing that you're going through them. It's knowing how to handle it when you are. Knowing how to handle it when you are. Well, we're going to take a small break, and uh, we're going to take a commercial and come back and, and finish up this spiritual warfare. If you want to be part of the conversation, join us on Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. We gather with other like-minded Christian brothers to discuss modern, hard-hitting topics that affect men on a daily basis and use a biblical approach to overcoming common strongholds that affect our families. We show men the importance of being the spiritual leader of their home and what it means to be a real man in the eyes of Christ. Join us at the Palace of Praise located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We meet in room 400 every Thursday. You're invited to come be a part of the discussion. All right, so we're talking about spiritual warfare. One of the things that I like to talk about, you know, we were talking about David before the break, and and, and is David's mighty men. Yeah, you know, as men, I I, I don't know about you, but I I like to fight. I like fighting. I like watching fighting. We like boxing. We like UFC. You know, stuff like that. And when you you and you begin to explore David's mighty men, these these guys, they were. They were the baddest of the baddest of groups. You know, they, yeah. they make the Spartans look like punks. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, I, I mean, they, they were, they were bad dudes. Well, when you, when you start to explore the, um, uh, second Samuel chapter 23, you have that pulled up there. Yeah. Yeah. Let me read it. Yeah. Just, just like the first three uh, of his mighty men. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Josheb, Beth, Bash, Heb, Beth, JB, JB, the, Tachmanite, chief among the captains, he was called. He was called Andino the Esnite because he had killed eight hundred men at one time. And after him was Eleazar the son of Dodo, the Aohite, one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle, and the men of Israel had retreated. He arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary. And his hand stuck to the sword. The, the Lord brought about a great victory that day. 
and the people returned after him only to plunder. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herorite. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop uh, where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines. But he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Then three of the thirty chief men went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam. All right, so when we, when we talked about spiritual warfare, these these men that that you that you read about here, we were talking about JB first. You know, JB yeah. he he slaughtered eight hundred men at one time with a spear. Could you imagine what that looked like? Yeah, that was a <laughs> bloodbath. Yeah, it doesn't say that that over his career. He killed 800 men. It said at one time. Yeah. One, yeah. You, you know, could you imagine the stack of bodies oh. and stuff like that and what it would have looked like prior to when, when these men were coming after him and all he's got in himself is a spear. Yeah. So I was I was praying one time, and, and I actually just I, I taught a lesson in men's group about this, and, and um, God really kind of revealed something to me about I was praying about 2022, and he said that is what it looks like in the spiritual realm right now, is we are completely surrounded by darkness, completely surrounded. You know, could you imagine what 800 men would look like if you were standing in the middle of of this and you were surrounded by 800 men? I mean, you couldn't, you you really, you probably couldn't see anything behind them or anything like, especially if they were any kind of close. I mean, there would be, there would be no gaps in between. I mean, it would just be man after man after man just surrounded by it. And that is what it looks like as, as a Christian man, that is what it looks like in, in, in the spiritual realm for us. Yeah. And, um, and you go on, you, you look at Elzar, mm-hmm. I think is, is how you pronounce his name, you know, and it says that he fought until his, he could not ungrasp his, his, his hand become one with the sword. So yeah. some, um, some commentaries even say that, that it, it almost fused with it. Like it, he was grasping a hold of it for so long and so hard that, that it almost become one with the sword. Yeah. Like they kind of were molded together. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you know, and you look at that, and it looks like, or not looks like, I'm sorry, but when you equate the sword yes, in the Bible, it is equivalent to, to God's word. Yeah. And, you know, even though we are surrounded by darkness, we have to grasp a hold of the word of God. Absolutely. 100%. We have grasp a hold of it. It has got to be our go-to. You know, when it comes to to spiritual warfare and different things like that, the our first go to when something bad happens, when depression sets in, anxiety sets in, our kids get sick, something happens at at, at our kids' school, happens on the job, our first go to ought to be that word, yeah, automatically, and we ought ought to grasp a hold of it just like him, so hard that we are one with that thing. We know it inside and out. It's our go-to. We are able to use it fluently, and we cannot let go of it. Right. Well, and, and you know, here's the thing. You know, you look at JB. You know, he went against 800 men. Right. Okay. That was a real warfare. Just like you said, we that's what's going on in the spiritual realm. You know, you got to be ready for this warfare. You got to have the proper armor for this warfare. Right. And, um, and you know, here's the thing is, it doesn't say really in scripture, but I'm sure that JB didn't leave there without a scratch on him. Right. He he was in there for the fight. He he went in there. I mean, I'm sure he got hurt. He got banged up, but he was still standing. 
And that that's where it's important for your armor. That's why in Paul, you know, what Paul says in Ephesians chapter six about put on the whole armor of God. Right. Right. And, and, and you know, I'll go ahead and I'll just read it. And this is Ephesians uh, chapter six, verses 10 through uh, 20. And it says, uh, finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breast, the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, which with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that it that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. That's powerful. Yeah, absolutely powerful. And and that and that's that is our that is our instructions on how to fight this warfare. It yes. tells you that for one, this isn't a carnal battle. This isn't a fleshly battle. This is a spiritual battle. And and it's even more uh it hits you a little even deeper when you study the the man behind the scripture where he was at when he wrote this. That he was in he even says, you know, I was I'm an ambassador in chains. Right. He was in prison. And, and, you know, when he was writing this and he was looking at that Roman soldier, he was looking mm-hmm. at his, his armor that he had on. Right. And he, he correlated that with, with how it is in the spiritual, in the spiritual realm yes. of how we should be um, clothed and ready for battle for, for the Lord. Absolutely. And, um, and, you know, I think a big thing is, uh, is not letting yourself get overwhelmed in the battle. Right. And, and, and not, um not feeling like you're, you're counted out. And I think one thing I heard this and I was like, wow, you know, this stuck with me. If you can't remember all the armor of your warfare, just remember Jesus. Right. It's, you know, Paul told us to gird our waist with truth. John 14 and six, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man comes to the father except me. And then he says to put on the the breastplate of righteousness. Second Corinthians five one says for he made him talking about Jesus for he, he made him who knew no sin to be our sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Then he says to have to shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Mm-hmm. And in uh, in uh, Matthew 14 and 27, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives you, uh, as I, uh, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Right. And then he says to put up the shield of faith. Hebrews 12 and 2 says, Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, for who the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then he and then he says to put on the helmet of salvation. All throughout the Bible, it's very clear that Jesus is the only way to salvation. One, He's the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah, and Acts, Acts 4 and 12, there's no other, name, no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. That's right. And then uh, we're told to pick up the sword of the Spirit. John 1, 1 and 1 through 5 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. 
in him was life and the, and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend. Then John 1 14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and, and we held, beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. So at the end of the day, if you can't remember every piece of your warfare, every, every piece of the armor, just remember Jesus, it's Jesus. That, that's all you got to remember. It's Jesus. And, and, you know, and it's so, it's so important, you know, and all those things, all those things are so vital to, to exactly what I was just talking about, about Elzar, yeah. you know, taking up his sword. That's, that's exactly where we have to get to. We have to be able to, to dig into the word and, and hold true to that word. And remember that Jesus, Jesus is the way he's also our deliverance. He's also our peace. He's also our joy. Yeah. You know, when you find yourself in a place of sorrows, when you find yourself in a place of, uh, of confusion, you know, Jesus is the answer. You know, Jesus is the word. The the this this should be our go to. Not not anger. Not not freaking out. You you know. Not don't let anxiety over overcome you. Get into the word. Yeah. And, and peace will will come with you. You know. And you go down to to Shamu. You know. Uh, I I don't really remember how to say his name, but Shamu sounds good. Yeah. Um, but you know, he was he was in this this field of lentils. Yeah. You know, and this this battle that took place, it was strategic for the Philistines. You, you know, lentils is, is is like a little pea or whatever. Yeah, and um, you, you know, and it was used for food for the Israelites, and the the Philistines were taking it over strategically to to take away the, their substance, their food to, source, to take away yeah. their food source. You know, the, their way of life. You know, the the, the very thing that gives them strength. And he stood in the middle of that field and stood his ground, you know, and just like he did today, we have to do the same thing. We have to understand what the enemy's tactic is. And his tactic is to surround us, to, to overwhelm us with as much trash and as much evil as he possibly can. We have to understand that what we need to go to is the word of God always in in every every aspect of our lives and we have to know that in all things we have to stand our ground because in the end we are victorious yeah in the all three of these men were victorious in in their battles and we we will be victorious maybe not in this life but in the next yeah you know even if even if satan takes my life i will be victorious in the next right you know he he has no power over me he does not he's not an equal with christ you know he's not he's not some some big adversary. He has as much power as we give to him, right? And yeah. that's it. You know, and when it comes to spiritual warfare, we have to understand. Yes, it may look dark. Yes, it may look dark, but we have we have hope, and that hope is Jesus Christ. That's right. Yeah, and uh, and you know what are we gonna do when they? Which I I mean they've already in some ways. Uh, and I, when I say they, the government and different organizations try to come after our food source, the word of God, the bread of life, you know, and try to shut us down from speaking it or, you know, let's not say it's far fetched. Cause I mean, we've already seen things that happen when they say we're not allowed to have Bibles anymore. Right. You know, when that, when that becomes an offensive, you know, piece of literature to have. Yeah. Or you look at like, like even Canada. I mean, this, yeah. this is right next door to us. Yeah. You know, Canada now it's, you could serve up to five years for talking a bit against the LGBTQ. Yeah. Right, you know, and, and I mean, real imprisonment. They they have imprisoned pastors, 
um, you, you know, for, for preaching during this COVID-19 pandemic. Um, yeah. they, they've done all these things. The, the, all this stuff is real possibility. You, you know, what about when, when they freeze your assets, you, you know, or they, they freeze your, your bank account or they tell you you can't work. Yeah. You know, if, if, if you're going to, if you're going to speak against this, if you believe in Jesus, which is basically what they're getting to, if you believe in Jesus, then, then you, you, you can't, you can't work. Yeah. You, you know, or if you're going to speak the truth out of the Bible, you, you know, then then you're not going to be able to have health insurance or your kids are going to be able to go to school or, you, you know, the list goes on of the things that they could do in, in the process of their overreach. Yeah. You know, we have to stay in our ground. We do. Just like, um, you know, you look in, in the book of Daniel, uh, chapter three with, you know, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They didn't, they didn't bow to Nebuchadnezzar, you know. They even told Nebuchadnezzar, you know, our God will deliver us. You know, he can deliver us, he will deliver us, and even if he does, we still will not bow. And, right. and to Nebuchadnezzar's surprise, he saw a fourth man in the fire. That's right. So even when we go through the fire, that's God's promise. You know, when you pass through the waters, they will not overtake you. When you pass through the fire, they will not consume you. You know, look at, and you look at that whole, uh, throughout the book of Daniel, you know, Daniel and, 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 you know, all Israel, they were taken into cap Babylonian captivity mm-hmm. and, uh, and, you know, Daniel and ne- uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, that wasn't even their original names. They were, right. they, they made them change their names. You know, they give them new names. They took their identity. They did all this, took everything, their Hebrew heritage. Right. And, uh, and we're and do- trying to indoctrinate them, but they still stood their ground and they end up getting promoted. Right. So, yep. so God can take the worst situation, no matter what it looks like in the natural, and he can turn it to your benefit. That's right. You know, and you look at Daniel, um, you know, speaking, speaking of that, of that book, you, you, later on, you know, you see him, you know, when, when the, they had went to the king and they were like, Hey, you're like, you know, we, we hear people are, are, are praying against, you know, to other gods, you know, we'll sign this decree, you know, and yet Daniel stood his ground and he went up the window. He prayed like he did every day. Yeah. And they turn him in, you know, and so the the king was was distraught because he had to throw him in the lion's den, but God protected him. Yeah. Even in that. And, you know, I heard something that was interesting, a teaching on that, and, and it was talking about how, you know, in the beginning of the book of Daniel, you know, he was a teenager. But then you go to, like you're talking about when he was praying in the window, he was 85 years old, but he was still doing good. Right. Not Everything had came against him, but he was still alive. And he was still praying, you know, he said, no, right. I'm, I'm going to draw, you know, people want favor, but they don't want to stand their ground. Right. If you want favor of God, you got to draw the line in the sand. That's right. And, and then you'll see the favor of God. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I, I one of the big things that, that we have to understand is recognizing, recognizing um, uh, the spiritual warfare. Yeah. You know, this, the, this April will be five years since God healed me. And I'm not going to get into this big, long, um, testimony maybe we will one day but not today but one of the things that had happened um during during a, a year of of turmoil that happened in my life was we in in october of 2017 we had a wreck mm-hmm. and um when we had this wreck i i should have died like there there's no logical reason why i should have i should have lived past that you know the vehicle flipped i was i was thrown basically thrown out the window um, the vehicle stopped several, several feet before it should have had ever had, um, there, there are multiple accounts of why, why I shouldn't have survived and why God saved my life that day. 
Um, but after we got to the hospital and, and all this stuff and, and we ended up getting home, we ended up, it, it happened probably, I don't know, three or four o'clock in the afternoon and we get home about two o'clock in the morning or whatnot. And my wife and I were washing, you know, the blood and the, the glass out of our hair and stuff like that. And, and, and I lay down and to and instantly I fall asleep and, and my wife, Dusty, she wakes me up and she's like, Hey, she said, we haven't prayed yet. I was like, okay, okay, okay. So I grab her hand and I begin to pray and instantly, instantly the entire room started to spin violently. Yeah. And I knew instantly what it was. I knew God, God, he checked my spirit. This is, this is not a physical fight. This is a spiritual fight. Yeah. And, um, and I trudged through that prayer. You, you know, I can't even remember what I said, but I try, I remember trudging through it. And the moment I said, amen, the room stopped, mm-hmm. you know, and, and God showed me Satan tried to take me out that day. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I say all that to, to, to say this, we have to understand who we're fighting. We have to understand what is going on. We have to be able to recognize it. it you know, um, it, you, you look at, at, at any kind of war, any kind of war, if you can figure out what the enemy is doing, yeah, then you have a leg up on them, oh, yeah. you know, and we have a leg up on Satan because we know what, what his game plan is. His game plan is to, is to destroy us in any way possible. And, um, and so understanding, understanding where we're at and understanding spiritual warfare and how to react to that spiritual warfare, you know, t- to spend time in prayer. One of my favorite chapters is John chapter 17. Mm-hmm. And the entire chapter is dedicated to a prayer from Jesus. Jesus is yeah. praying over, over, over the people. He's praying over, over the disciples. He, he's praying over the people to come, you know, all these different things. And you see a different aspect of Jesus during this time. You know, everybody talks about, you know, like the Lord's prayer, you know, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And I'm not trying to take away from that. Yeah. I'm not trying to take away from that because it's important. And I think it's great, you know, but when you dig into, to John chapter 17, you see the way Jesus, Jesus prayer prayed, you know, it was spiritual warfare. It was, it, he was praying over, over his, his disciples. He was praying over the, the people to come. He was praying over his kingdom. And, you know, in the same way, if Jesus, Jesus felt the need to do that, felt the need that he needed to pray to God, the father about all these things, how much more important is it for us to yeah, pray absolutely. and, and bind up the spirit and, and uh, the evil spirit, you know, put Satan in his place. You know, how much important and, and vital is it for us to do that? Well, yeah. And, and, you know, and that, that is the authority we have in Christ too. You know, he said, whatever you, you um, bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You know, he gives it the same authority that he said, um, you know, in my name, you'll cast out demons um, with new, t- you'll speak in, in my name, you'll speak in new tongues. Uh, you'll handle serpents and they will not harm you, you know, and, you know, this is the authority we have in Christ. And, you know, like you said, uh, in our prayer, that that's one, you know, prayer time. Um, that's definitely a place where we, we can uh, have the upper hand on the enemy, but also get into our word. And yes. what the word says and speaking those words over you, yep. you know, praying those scriptures over you, you know, yes. um, and speaking of that, one of my favorite verses is second Corinthians 10, four and five. And it says this, it says for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. 
And the reason why this is one of my favorite verses, because it teaches us how to fight. Yes, yeah. yes, you, you know, Ephesians chapter 6, it teaches, uh, you know, tells us about the armor of God and different things like that. But everything that we will ever encounter, good, bad, ugly, precious, worship, it doesn't matter what, we'll begin with a thought. Yes. And and we have to be, we have to, we are responsible for those thoughts. And this right here tells us that we can bring every thought into captivity, every thought underneath the subjection of Jesus Christ. When we have those thoughts, we're like, wait a minute, that doesn't belong there. You know, don't entertain that stuff. Don't entertain, but God, that doesn't belong there. I, I need help. Yeah. That that needs to go. That, that That's not of you. You know, whether it be fear, whether it be lust, whether it be what whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It's going to start with the thought. And, and kicking it right at the beginning is is vitally important. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a few scriptures I always wanted to share, you know, when it comes to, you know, whether it's fear or depression or anxiety, whatever it is. First Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Deuteronomy 31 and 8 says, and the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the thoughts that I have that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And then another one I wanted to share is Matthew 11 and 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Absolutely. And hopefully, man, you guys can take this and you guys can take it to heart and you, you guys can use this, you, you know, to one, realize that you're not alone. Right. You, you are not alone in your spiritual warfare. You're not the only person dealing with anxiety, dealing with fear, dealing with the, the feeling of being overwhelmed, um, you, you know, wondering whether or not your kids are being taught right. You know, all, all these different things that, that, that we go through as men, you are not alone. Yeah. And, and I was just going to add, you know, don't think you're the only one that's ever been through this spiritual warfare. Every one of us that are are Christians and do this walk of faith, if you're doing what you're supposed to, you're going to go through spiritual warfare. You that's know, right. that's a sign of how you know you're doing something right. That's so, right. So do not feel like this is a punishment from God. Do not feel like um, that this is something you're all on your own. No, that is not it. That's where fellowship comes in. That's where discipleship comes in, um, you know, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, especially as we see the day approaching, you know, now more than ever, that's when you, you get together with your Christian family and, and, you know, you just be honest, this is what that's I'm right. going through. And this is what we're here for to stand shoulder to shoulder, arm in arm and go after the enemy together. You're not alone. You know, and, and I want I want to make a plug, you know, we meet every Thursday at six 30 and you know, that's exactly what we do. Oh, yeah. you, you know, we're just, we're just dudes. That, that you, you know, go through stuff just like everybody else. You know, we want to talk about, you know, sometimes we just take the time to talk about the things that are happening in our lives because we all go through hardships. We all go through times of, uh, of, of depression. We all go through times of anxiety, you know, and, and being able to, and not bottling that up and being able to talk about those things are vitally important. You know, and if you can't make it, if you've got something that you want to get off your chest, we have an email address, um, realmen at the palaceofpraise.com. 
if you got questions uh, or concerns, maybe you're just going through something. Maybe you just want us to pray for you about something. Email us. Let us know. Uh, we have a Facebook page, Roman Ministries. Um, you, you can contact us on there. You, you can private message us. You whatever whatever you need to do, or or find find a group of men on your own. If you if you can't if you can't be here on Thursday nights, find find godly men that you can confide in in your own church or somewhere in your your life find somebody to confide in we were never meant to go through this alone um but we i want to thank you guys for listening to this and as always i want to pray holy spirit guide us as leaders of our homes churches and communities and teach us to be godly courageous men You've been listening to Real Men Talk, brought to you by the Palace of Praise Church in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. If you'd like to get in touch with us, shoot us an email, realmen at palaceofpraise.com. If you are a man ages 16 and up and would like to join the conversation, join us here at the Palace of Praise every Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. in room 400. If you don't have a home church, consider joining us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. Palace of Praise is located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. New episodes of Real Men Talk drop every Thursday at 5 p.m. You can find us at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Anchor.fm, Amazon, and more. Real Men Talk is a production of Palace Media Services. part of the conversation. Join us on Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. We gather with other like-minded Christian brothers to discuss modern, hard-hitting topics that affect men on a daily basis and use a biblical approach to overcoming common strongholds that affect our families. We show men the importance of being the spiritual leader of their home and what it means to be a real man in the eyes of Christ. Join us at the Palace of Praise located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We meet in room 400 every Thursday. You're invited to come be a part of the discussion. 